here this morning with us, with your family uh, here. And it's great to be together. And it's great to see Amari playing the drums back there, right? It's awesome. Uh, I would go back to play drums right now, but I don't really, we don't really have time for that. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just great to have the wounds here. And great to be able to reconcile with old friends. It's just it's wonderful. Well, you know, uh, the whole Lowe's uh, uh, logo here and their, uh, their motto is never stop improving. And uh, we're going to be talking about that here this morning. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures. And uh, I want us to go over the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Because, you know, as Christians, uh, that should be one of our mottos, right? To never stop improving. And I know for me, uh, being a Christian for many years, it's one of the most exciting parts of being a Christian. Uh, one of the most exciting parts of knowing God is the fact that I can be better tomorrow than I am today. That uh, there are so many areas where I can improve, and one of the great things that we can do is that process of improvement, of growing, and, and being better, and becoming better, and never uh, stopping improving. In 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 3, uh, we, we're going to read the following. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And we read, we read, up, read up on and it says, For this very reason, make every effort... To add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. And it says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? What, what a rich passage. When we talk about the Apostle Peter, somebody who had definitely uh, known what it meant to grow spiritually, to fail yet continue on and become better and become greater. From the very beginning, he didn't follow Jesus initially. It wasn't until a miraculous catch of fish that he decided to follow Jesus. That he decided to bend his knee before the Lord and follow Him. But even throughout that process, we know Peter is a very flawed person, very flawed individual. And I don't know about you, but I can relate with that, can't you? I mean, someone that failed, someone that messed up, someone that said the wrong thing. Have you ever said the wrong thing? Just kind of, you know, someone's talking about something, you say it, you want to contribute, and then everyone kind of looks at you like... Peter, and of course we know Peter as someone who denied Jesus three times, then came back and became uh, really one of stalwarts and the leaders in the first century church. And so Peter, as he's sharing this, and he shared about his relationship with God and the richness of that relationship and the richness of his salvation, and he's talking about growing and adding to our faith, he can very much relate with that, because he's talking about his own personal process. And hopefully as we talk, talk about never stopping improving, we're talking about our own personal process. 
Now today you're talking about that, you're thinking about that, and I don't know how you started your walk into faith, or maybe you're just beginning right now, you're getting to know God. The fact that you're becoming better and greater, you're taking growth, sometimes by leaps and bounds, and sometimes just a small incremental growth. But yet we're never stopping improving with God. And you know, the scripture talks about this, as we, for this very reason we add to our faith. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. You know, I think about the incredible growth in my personal life when I decided to follow Jesus. In such a short amount of time, my life changed so drastically and so dramatically. My mindset changed, my friends changed, my activities changed. My attitude changed. So much of me changed in just that time it, during my conversion process. But you know, I think about now these last 24 years. Think about how much God has worked on my life to continue changing me. And how that process is going forward. How many, how many times I feel like, man, I have so much to grow in. I have so many weaknesses. I have so much to change. Yet really, that's one of the most exciting parts about being a Christian is that we can be better, we can grow, we can add to our faith all these things that the Scripture talks about. You know, uh, we had a wonderful time with my family this last week. We were able to visit uh, one of the national parks, Sequoia National Park. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this park, first time we've ever been there, and it was just an incredible experience, especially to see the big trees. And this is really the park known for the big trees, the sequoias, right? Which really translated means the big trees. And it was amazing because it was actually snowing. Uh, so we were uh, being able to go around this meadow, walk around this meadow while it was snowing. Uh, there you kind of see the snow falling down there. Uh, you, you know, I took another video here, kind of it coming from the top there. It's like actual snowflakes, you know. You don't get that, you know, in L.A., you know what I'm saying? Yeah, actual snowflakes. And so we just had a wonderful time. But obviously the, 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 the greatest part of the show there is these giant sequoia trees. These immense trees, and you can't really, you know, grasp the size of this, but this is huge, it's gigantic, it's a general sermon tree, right? And uh, it goes up, uh, you know, the camera can't even capture how high it goes, how, how far, uh, how much higher it goes up there. Uh, that's kind of looking up and getting as much as you can of, of the crown of the tree. Uh, but, you know, I learned a lot being out there about sequoias, and I think about, wow, these are amazing uh, creations of God, these giant trees who have endured so much. And here are just some facts, amazing facts about sequoias. Uh, it's actually the largest, they're, they're the largest living things on our planet. Uh, they are the uh, general sermon tree is actually the largest living thing on our planet. And some of the oldest living things, because some of them are over 3,000 years old. You think about, hey, you know what, well, I've been a Christian for 24 years. And you think about, hey, the U.S. has been around for about 200 years. Uh, you think about, you know, well, uh, Columbus came to America in 1492. Well, that's nothing for 3,000 years. So some of these trees as we walked around were 2,000, 2,500, 3,000, over 3,000 years old. You know, these trees are extremely fruitful. Uh, they give off 2,000 cones each year. 
200 seeds in each cone, so that's about 400,000 seeds that these uh, trees uh, give off. And these seeds, they start small. Now, the seeds are only the size of wheat grains. So they begin very small to be such giants. They begin very little, and even when they're small as, as a small seedling and a, a small tree, they, they don't look very much different, but obviously later on you see how, how big they, they grow. Sequoias are known for being drought resistant, disease resistant, insect resistant, and fire resistant. Uh, and you know, just talking about how massive they are, uh, they're the size of, of a 30-story building in height, a three-story building uh, width at the trunk. And General Sherman, actually the, the tree that we took a picture with there, uh, is the largest of it. It's so massive that uh, it actually grows, it only grows one millimeter a year. That's it. That's only one millimeter a year. But that one millimeter growth is equal to enough the same wood in a 50-foot tree. That one millimeter of growth. That's how huge and how massive it is. But you know, there's something important that we need to know about these sequoias that relates to our personal growth and process spiritually. And uh, for, our for their survival, sequoias are dependent on fire. Now, if I were to ask you, hey, what do you think sequoias really need to survive? Said water, right? If I would have asked you, what do we want to make sure doesn't happen so sequoias can live? Smokey, right? Smokey the bear. Only you can prevent forest fires. But yet there's something very important that we need to know about sequoias is that actually for their survival, they need fire. They cannot exist without fire to survive. Here's some facts about that. Its most rapid growth for sequoias occurs as a result of fire. So sequoias grow the fastest and the most after a fire. Sequoias become stronger due to growth around a fire scar. So as, as they heal from a fire, after a fire, what happens is the whole tree mobilizes and and begins to grow, and it begins to engulf around the scar, and so it, it, it grows more, it grows faster, grows stronger because of that fire. Fire actually keeps the area around sequoias clear of debris and other problematic trees. So it's, it's important for there not to be anything that's in the way, or anything that's hindering the growth, or even the fruitfulness of these trees that's around them, and so fire does that. Fire makes sequoias more interdependent. Because of fire, they're actually the roots are not very deep. They're actually pretty shallow roots. And so they're 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 incredible balancing acts. When you think about that their roots are not very big, but the trees are so massive. And but yet these root systems require them to be interdependent, for them to rely on each other. And even though there's no other smaller trees near them, they're usually in groves. They, they grow in groves of sequoia, they're in groups of sequoias. And sequoias in areas without fire stop being fruitful. You know, you think about, well, what, is, what, what have humans done to 
affect the growth of sequoias or sequoia groves. Actually, the worst thing that humans have done is suppress fire. Because fire used to naturally occur in these areas, but since they don't want fire, they don't want smoke, and they want to build things, and they've suppressed fire, and so they didn't realize it, but they were what they were doing because there was no fire, they were actually killing the trees. And there were trees that died because of the lack of fire. And now they're realizing that, and they're, they're taking measures to fix that. You know, here you see a, a, what, a tree there, uh, and you see that big giant fire scar, right? And you see the bark kind of growing around it. And that's what happens, the bark just mobilizes to grow around it, to become stronger. And that was due to a fire that, that came by there. Uh, this is some growth scars, and this is one tree, what, this is what they call a tree cookie, where they kind of cut off a piece of a tree, and they're able to look into the rings of the tree. So this is the ring of the sequoia, and in there what you can see is different years, where those are fire rings. And those are years when a fire occurred in that area. So just, I don't know where you, where you, where you were at these years, but you can kind of think back. Like in, in 1245, there was a fire. You might have remembered that in the news, I think. 1261, 1311, 1329, that was a famous one. You probably heard about that one there. But what you see, I don't know if you noticed, after these fire rings, you notice sort of kind of the growth, kind of the crowning that you see there? You see the normal tree and the way it grows, but then when there's a fire, it's like this explosion of growth that happens. But you know what? The Apostle Peter also talked about this. Let's look in the Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Come on, Ralph. Because I believe that all of you here want to keep improving, don't you? I think, you know, if we would take a poll, it would be 100%. We want to all keep growing. We want to all continue to develop. We want to all change and overcome our weaknesses. Well, what is the role of fire in that? This is what the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1 and verse 3. This praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And when you think about the expansive time of Sequoia in our time, really, trials are a little while, aren't they? It says, these have come, talking about these trials, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In other words, it will result in our spiritual survival and us finishing the race and Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, fire is crucial. It's important for our growth. It's important for us spiritually to be refined. But I don't know about you, but I don't like fire. 
doesn't feel very good. But yet it's necessary. You know, let me talk about some of these types of fires that we have to deal with. You know, one of those is the fire of hardship. And how many of us have dealt with the fire of hardship in our lives? And really the fire of hardship could be things like health, health challenges. They continue on and continue on and continue on and you're just, you're in the midst of this hardship, of this difficult situation and so you have, you're, you're in the fire of hardship. Another type of hardship could be maybe financial hardship. Uh, maybe some of you grew up poor, grew up in, in a very impoverished situation, or grew up with, with, a, with, with, a, with a, a, a tough financial situation, and so you endured, really, hardship financially. You endured it. You were in that fire. Maybe you're going through it right now. Maybe you lost a job, and you're, you're enduring the hardship uh, of losing a job financially. Some of us have dealt with hardship in relationships. Maybe it is in a marriage relationship where there's hardship and things are not going well and, and they continue to not go well. Maybe it's relationships with family members or neighbors or co-workers and, and you're dealing with that hardship. And so all of us here undergo these trials of hardship to a different degree in a different way. The other fires are the fire of tragedy. Now... Uh, there's a chance that a lot of us will go through these fires, but not everybody. And these are very specific fires, situations of loss that occur at some time in our life. It could be a death of a loved one. It could be uh, a major loss financially. Uh, it could be uh, you know, a tragedy that happens in a relationship. These happen from time to time. And there, there are times of fire. There are times of testing. There are times of difficulty. You know, there's another type of fire that we're all familiar with, and that's self-inflicted fire. That is a fire that comes because of bad choices, bad decisions that we make. That is a fire that comes uh, because of reactions that we have to things. That is a fire that we come up that, that that happens because of sin. Because of our own character, because of our own folly. And uh, now, how many of us have dealt with these type of fires right here? Right here, right? <laughs> All of us. Is self-inflicted fire. Now, you think about these three, right? Fire of hardship, the fire of tragedy, self-inflicted fire. To, a, to one degree or another, we've all dealt with these. And, and probably the last one, absolutely, we've all dealt with this one. But I believe there's a, a special type of fire that many times we ignore. That we do not encourage in our lives. That we actually discourage. That we shy away from. That we don't foster. And which one is that? Our greatest opportunity for spiritual survival is growth and fruitfulness. Growth and fruitfulness is through self-determined Controlled fire. Hmm. You know, when you think about what are they doing with these sequoias, they realize, hey, you know what, if there's no fire, they're going to die, so we're going to have to have fire. So what are they doing? Just starting this fire and see what happens? No, what they're actually having to learn is how to create controlled fires. To be able to allow the process of fire that's so important for the survival of these trees. 
And I believe, you know, all of us, we can say when we read the scripture in 1 Peter, we can say, oh yeah, you know, I've gone through trial, I've gone through hardship, I've gone through tragedy, I've gone through self-inflicted fire. But my question is, are you creating self-determined, controlled fire in your life for you to grow? See, what does that mean? That means that you're actually making a decision. You're actually saying, you know what, I can decide not to have fire. I can decide to be comfortable in this situation, but you know what, I, I need to have fire in my life. So I'm going to put myself in a situation of trial. I'm going to put myself in a situation of striving. I'm going to put myself in a situation of trying harder. And like Paul said to Timothy, Train yourself to be godly. You know, a lot of our life spiritually is about this. It's about you and I choosing and deciding to create self-determined control fire in our life. To make sure that we don't become stagnant. To make sure that we don't become just people that are here but that are striving to grow, to be better, to overcome the challenges in our lives. You know, I think about uh, my personal growth. And yeah, although I can go back and think about times when there are tough trials in my life, difficult times in my spiritual walk with God, some of the toughest ones were self-inflicted ones. Some of my good friends know. I mean, those were the like the self-inflicted ones. But yet, if I look at my 24 years, you know what the biggest challenge for me is? Is making sure that I have self-determined, controlled fire in my mind. Is making sure that I am putting myself on the edge, making sure that I am striving, making sure that I'm doing my best, whether it be my relationship with God, whether it be my relationship at home with my children, with my wife, or whether it be evangelistically or in whatever area of character I need to overcome. That is a struggle. But yet it's so necessary. You know, one of my good friends is here at church uh, that became a Christian last July. Uh, and uh, I texted him this morning because uh, he recently uh, got a job. Uh, and when he became a Christian, uh, he uh, was out of a job for, I think, almost two years. Uh, he works as a uh, psychiatric nurse. That was his career. He had dedicated himself for that. And uh, because of some unfortunate situations in his job, he was let go. And for two years, he was not able to find a job in his career. So obviously, you could just imagine the suffering that, that that causes for his family. So he became a Christian in July with great joy, great excitement, you know, uh, a desire for growth and, and zeal, and, and he's going on, and, and yet continuing on, he's, he's not able to get a job. He's not able to get a job. And yet he had to endure. He had to persevere. He had to persevere with that situation. He had to persevere with his own character. You know, when we're young Christians... We got a lot to change still, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot. And even if we've been here, but there's a lot. 
But especially when we're new, I mean, there's just so much to change. And so he's dealing with all that. And, change, and in the midst of all that, his wife becomes a Christian, still with no job, still struggling with his own spiritual life. In the midst of that, his, his uh, sister-in-law becomes a Christian, still with no job, still struggling with that. Well, uh, the great news that he was recently just got a job back in his career, so he was back working in his career, amen? That's awesome, but you know, think about the process, how valuable that was. For him to be going through that time, but for him to decide, hey, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what's right. And not even because I'm going to get a certain result, but because it's the right thing, it's what God calls me to do. So many times we're looking for the result, aren't we? Well, I'm do, I'll do it if there's a cookie at the end. It's, it's like, you know, AYSO soccer. Where's my snack? You know, at the end of the game. What? Fruit only? You know, and, and, and sometimes we're like that spiritually. Well, yeah, you know, I'll do it, but, you know, what's my reward? What, what if we do it just because it's right? What if we do it just because it's what holiness calls us to do? I think that's a challenge. Yesterday was a wonderful day. It was a wedding of a, a brother who had been sing, uh, in the singles ministry for many, many years. And you're able to tell, you know, who gets married by the age of their groomsmen. Hey. You just know. Like, you just look at, wow, all the groomsmen are old and a lot of them are married. That means he's been around for a long time. Just a little, little insight, a little secret there. And, uh, but it was great to see he married Araceli uh, Camoy, who he actually met in a bus while they were going to work, invited her to church, he became a Christian, it was a couple years ago, and, uh, you know, her family, wonderful, beautiful family, and so they were married yesterday, and, you know, she's been uh, dealing with a lot of situations, heading up into this, this wedding, but yet you see her dealing with it in such a joyful and spiritual way. See her smile, her just kind of, I, I want to do the right thing. And going through it and dealing with it in a spiritual way. You know, I want to challenge you this morning to create controlled, self-determined fires in your life. And maybe that means for you stepping out of your comfort zone, as we talked about, you know, with our, our theme of the year, right? It's to step out of our comfort zone. It's to... Decide to lead, to change something, to serve. Maybe that's what it means for you. But I want to challenge you to do that, to step out, to create fire in your life, to stop being comfortable, to stop relaxing spiritually, to stop taking the spiritual vacation. Now there's a time for that. There's a time for that. You know, I was talking with the staff, and uh, Reese was talking about their lesson in the book of Ephesians. And was talking about being created for good works. And the fact that that's what you and I were created for good works. And you won't, won't be fulfilled, I won't be fulfilled, unless we're living that out. Unless we're working for Jesus. Unless we're doing the best we can is striving and control fire for growth and to never stop improving. Amen? Brothers and sisters, it's been a wonderful service this morning.
And I pray we all decide to never stop improving. Amen.